you're a teenager, you're probably excited at the prospect of getting started on your life journey the way you want it to be. If you're in your 20s, you would have started that journey and maybe you've recognized the need to get some qualifications or skills that will allow you to generate a decent income and you're having fun doing life your way. If you're in your 30s, you may well have gotten married, maybe started a family, possibly purchasing or looking to purchase a family home, and you may well be up to your eyeballs in financial commitment. If you're in your 40s, you've probably got teenage kids and financial pressure coming at you from all directions. If you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s, each decade of life has its own challenges and rewards. Hi, I'm David Wright, host of the podcast series Succeed With Money and founder of the Spending Planners Institute. The Institute is the leading authority in providing education and assistance in helping people to remove their money stress, solve their everyday money problems, and get back in control of their lives. You know, nobody fails with money on purpose. So every week in this podcast, we're exploring the causes of money stress and the solutions so our listeners can succeed with money. Now, no doubt you've heard the saying, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. How the decades of your life unfold will, to a larger extent, be determined by the decisions you make and the actions you take along the way. Now, if you're smart, you won't leave your decades up to chance. You'll look at what's important to you and create a plan to achieve as much of what you want as possible out of each decade and then work on making that plan become a reality. You may have also heard the saying, we live our lives in reverse. We find out from hindsight what we needed to know after we've made all the decisions. How awesome would it be if you had the benefit of hindsight and the wisdom that comes from it when it comes to making those big life choices? At any age, you can be smart. A smart person plans ahead. But when it comes to wisdom, wisdom is about understanding what is likely to happen before it happens. In a couple of recent podcast episodes, Carolyn and I have mentioned a friend of mine by the name of Chris Freeman. Chris created a program called Design a Decade that is based on the lessons he learned from his life journey and the wisdom he has gained as a result. We felt it would be really great if we could get to interview Chris for an episode of Succeed With Money and have him share his story and the lessons that came from that. Today, I'm very happy to bring you that interview. Welcome, Chris, to the, the podcast. Thanks very much, David. So good to catch up with you again, uh, having watched uh, your progress over time developing these uh, spending planner programs. Uh, it was really great to reconnect with you and spend some time with you this morning. Yeah, I, look, I, we did some things together probably, I don't know, maybe even 10 years ago that, that was quite um, fruitful. And I always admired the work that you were doing. And recently I was telling Carolyn all about it and we had a look at your website and she said, wouldn't it be great to get Chris on the podcast and interview him? So here we are. <laughs> More than happy to do so. So of particular interest, Chris, we've been talking about the different stages of life. And you know, I know that you d developed a program called Design a Decade. And I think that's come out of your own journey through you know, the ups and downs of life. And uh, I mean, I'm not sure how much of that journey you're happy to share, but I, I know that you know, life is a journey and we learn from it and we grow from it. And I think that where you're at now with what you've created with the Design a Decade program is really part of your journey, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's interesting, David. Uh, in my late 60s now and 
Uh, in fact, we'll tick over 70 next year. That seems to have gone pretty quickly. <laughs> but uh, you know that our hashtag is uh, eyes on 100 plus because today planning life around 65 years of age is a, is a thing of the past. And yep. uh, when the old age pension came in in Australia, it was the early 1900s and we men lived to about 58, 59 and the age was set at 65 to look after people who lived a bit longer than normal and look after them for a short period of time. Yep. And, of course, by the time superannuation came in in the 90s, we were living to early 70s. So, oh, yeah, if we take some money out of the salaries and save it for them until they're retiring, that'll do them for six or seven years. And, of course, now in the middle of this COVID with all the, the uh, reporting going on, you see how many people are living into their 80s, 90s and 100 plus, Yep, yep. Um, especially our Captain Tom. But for me, um, my first job uh, out of school was way back in 1970 and uh, that was with Qantas Airways and yep. uh, it was a great job for a young man. Um, interestingly, there was no computers and there was little or no international communication. Can you imagine that today? <laughs> Yeah, it would be a little difficult, wouldn't it? <laughs> and I think you said uh, there, there were quite a few perks with that job. Well, yeah. I mean, if you wanted to get on Qantas, you'd pick up a phone off the wall and ring and we'd answer it. And we'd yep. write, your, write your name down and tick off another box as another seat, Sydney, Fiji. And uh, we'd hope that on the day of the flight, everything was equal between ticks and seats and people. So that was pretty interesting. <laughs> a bit of hit and miss. <laughs> it was. But uh, in answer to your thought there, the other airlines needed us to do a lot of their bookings because they couldn't take calls from overseas. Yeah. And uh, so they wanted to keep us happy. So they gave us uh, free tickets. So Friday afternoon in our department was, will we go home today or we go to Fiji for the weekend? that's pretty cool (laughs) you can imagine that in 1970 Uh, but the reason for that part of the story and and the conversation that uh, we're having today was when I looked at the ones in the beautiful chaos of young children or carrying the weight of bringing teenagers through um, they'd stopped traveling as much as we were and in in conversation it came out that they were under the pressures of life in, in particular financial um, but also just the time for it and relationship issues, etc. Yep. And uh, so I was having a chat with a, a really good friend who's still a great friend today. And uh, we also realised that the ones my age or close to my age were all asking for overtime and we couldn't work it out. And uh, as we spoke to them about why they wanted to work more, they hadn't set up their financial life. So that was the first indication I had that... Uh, the way life had gone with just earn and spend was uh, was a thing of the past. So yeah. on a whim, my friend and I left Qantas with all the free trips and bought a lawn mowing run to do as a small business. Um, we weren't very good at that, so it didn't last very long. But yeah. uh, tried a couple of other things, a cafe and then a, a career business and then a restaurant. And we, we were... We, it sounds like we're a bit crazy, but we're just looking for a better and different way to do life. And yep. uh, it became evident that, you know, five years at home, 20-odd years of study and 40-odd years of working every week and then trying to do 27 countries in 28 days was okay if that was a passion for someone. But to have to do it to pay your way um, yep. was just crazy. So we, uh, we continued on there for a while and then a friend asked me into real estate in Sydney in 1980. 
And they're a large development company in Mossman in Sydney and they built high-rise apartments and they they converted the old buildings in the eastern suburbs that were blocks of flats on one title. They converted them into individual titles. And uh, we're talking Sydney when you could buy for seventy, eighty thousand dollars <laughs> yeah maybe maybe a hundred thousand if it was expensive right That's right um, but uh one of the things he said to me was um you know we'll we'll sell david's house to chris if it comes along the normal list and sell he said but what we're really doing here is trying to provide affordable real estate for people to own a few of these over their lifetime so they'll be better off in their later life and it was before all the seminars and talk of negative gearing, et cetera, today. So I started to ask people, hey, if you haven't got your life set up financially, how about this? And uh, it was such a revolutionary time that I was making very high income in Sydney at that time. Yeah. And we bought a lot of property. Um, not, and I was a very poor steward of money because it came fairly easily. Um, so- I needed I needed spending planner then. <laughs> In one pocket and out the other, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was good. And uh, through that season, we, we end up owning a, a lot of property to hold for the future. And a um, property partner of ours suggested that we get back into business and he owned a hotel. So next minute, we're partners in a few hotels. And, and uh, my wife, Heather, went to the ballet school where our two girls went and when she came home, she'd bought half the ballet school because one of the partners was leaving. <laughs> yeah. So As you do. So, yeah. yeah. And it sounds flippant, but we were just young people looking for, you know, a way of life that was flexible and enjoyable, et cetera. Yeah. But the one, the one thing we didn't have at this stage was a clear understanding of how to run various areas of our life. But we wanted to bring uh, the two girls up out of Sydney and I came to a Qantas reunion up here at beautiful Nelson Bay, where I'm speaking to you from today. Yeah. And uh, a bit of real estate happening. So we moved up here in 1989, uh, thinking we were fairly secure for life and uh, succeeded in the goals we had. And then uh, you might be uh, old enough to remember the 1990 recession, David. I certainly <laughs> remember Black Wednesday and all of that, yes. So our property... Um, interest rates went up to 17% and our um, commercial loans went up to 22%. And all Ouch. that would have, been, <laughs> would have been fine, except that uh, for the last business we bought, which was a large convention centre in North Sydney, in Sydney, we, uh, I signed a personal guarantee for a million dollar loan, David. Right, as you do every day of the week, not. <laughs> and, and now your listeners are saying, why are we talking to this bloke? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, it could have been okay. It could have, except that the managing partners were very poor stewards of their money. They needed spending planner. Right. And we weren't checking closely. We were relying on trusting them and they didn't pay the bank and the bank moved in and took over. And uh, that was a bit of a shock. Uh, but they said, this is a good business, we'll trade you out of it. And yeah. they ran it for 18 months and then said, no, nah, it's not working and sold it for $150,000. And you had a million-dollar guaranteed loan. Yes, plus the administration costs and interest for uh, 18 yep. months. Yep. By this time, we'd sold everything down to get rid of all that debt. And uh, then I got a letter asking for another $2 million to clear the account after everything was gone. 
as you can imagine. Scary, scary <laughs> moment, I would think. As you can imagine, clear the sinuses. So. <laughs> <laughs> and and some. <laughs> and it was still back in the days where uh, information came by um, snail mail. So it came in a letter and I was sitting having a cup of tea with Heather when I opened it up. So I folded it back up and put it in my pocket and, well, I give myself some time to work out how I uh, let Heather know about that. Yeah. But um, interestingly enough... There she was could some... tell from that pale look on your face that something <laughs> wasn't right. <laughs> she was an amazing lady and she was there beside me every step of the way. But the good news out of it was that there were so many people in trouble back in those days that the banks were... Um, and I'm not knocking the bank for all this. You know, It was just the, the way things were at the time. Yeah. But they were able to negotiate a really small amount under a confidentiality agreement that were able to pay off over 15 years because they didn't want to go bankrupt. Right. Now, while that's a long story, it it got us to uh, this the whole conversation that we're having around stages of life. Um, Look, Chris, I, I think a lot of our listeners will have stories that maybe don't have such big numbers, but, but they're similar stories. I have similar stories to tell where I've bought businesses that went pear-shaped and cost me and lost me a lot of money. Um, nobody doesn't make mistakes with money unless they're not doing anything at all except going to work, coming home and, and just being boring. So yeah, it is what it then, is. And then the trouble comes later when they're not set up for the future. Yeah. So the turnaround was that I started to ask anyone who had what I was looking for, as I still met people through business and the like, I still had my, I developed a practice of walking alongside people and helping them consider their uh, investment real estate, not yep. business, just investment real estate. So I still had those clients who were doing well. And uh, I thought I didn't do much wrong, but I better find out how to do life better. And I started to ask people who had a flexible, enjoyable life but still worked and had income and, and uh, the like, what they did, how they kept it, how they avoided mistakes, etc. And the one thing they all had was trusted third parties around them who were skilled in their area to guide and them through opportunities and help them avoid risk. Right. So um, there'd be however many people you've got in here today would now if I had someone alongside me, I wouldn't have risked everything I had to sign a personal guarantee for a business that I own 20% of. Right. Um, and so I asked a couple of uh, people that I respected. Uh, one was a lawyer, another was a businessman. and said, hey, can, we, can I engage you to um, walk alongside me for a while? And as I make decisions coming out of this, um, just let me know if there's anything you, don't, you think I'm not doing well. Yeah, and, and both of them said, yeah, we're happy to do that. And so over a period of time, um, I still was earning the income. I was paying that debt down. Heather and I were reestablishing um, just life as, as, a, as a difference from the amount of money we were earning and what we were doing and what we had. Um, but we're pretty positive people, so we just kept working at it. But one of the, yeah. one of the mentors said, hey, Chris, settle down. Um, you're running around trying to get everything back in five minutes. This is going to take you up to 10 years to reestablish yourself. And I went home to Heather and said, okay, um, I'm 54. Um, our kids are in their, 20, in their uh, teens. They're going to be in their 20s when I'm – sorry, I'm 44. I'm going to be 54. Our kids will yeah. be in their 20s. And we might have grandchildren, so what do we want it to look like? 
And Heather said, well, I'm working full-time plus. Um, I don't want to be working full-time when I've got grandchildren. I was back in Sydney working with my real estate clients. I wanted to be back here with the family. So we just possibility for what we'd want because we couldn't see how to get there. Yeah. But uh, walking alongside these guys, they started to talk to me about running time better and getting the right relationships to take information from. And the big one was where David Wright and uh, the team sit was, hey, you've got to get a better steward of your money. Because you've always had big income, you haven't stewarded your money well. Yep. And I, I think back to those Sydney days, you know, making 100000 plus in the 1980s was a lot of money. It could have lived on twenty or 30000 Yeah. And but, uh, but didn't, uh, even though we bought a lot of stuff. So I started to study those areas of life, realising that finances was primarily good or bad, depending on what time you gave it and what relationships you had to help you with it, um, which is one of, one of the reasons I love your program. Your, your planning team walk alongside people and help them think clearly and choose wisely about money. Yeah. And so walked along with that. And then I started to lose some of my real estate clients. They engaged me on a yearly fee to walk alongside them. And, you know, Charlie Shaw's first three purchases were in Bondi for under 100000 and he's still got them, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah sounds good. <laughs> and, uh, and the like. So I knew how to safely take people through that journey. But I started to lose some of the clients, um, not to the, the property side of it, but to either uh, relationship breakdown, poor money management, etc., poor planning. So I went to one of my mentors and said, hey, I'm thinking that I'm going to add another fee to what I do with people, but do a foundation course in running time and relationship and money well and plan for the future and keep yourself healthy, et cetera. And it was funny because he said, yeah, you should do that and I'll be your first client. <laughs> <laughs> the teacher becomes the taughter. The <laughs> well, at, well, at first I thought he was... Uh, he was just letting me practice on him. But uh, you know, the really was... funny thing about this is I think just about everyone could give other people their best advice, but when it comes to taking it from yourself, <laughs> it's a totally different story. So <laughs> here were these guys that were coaching you who who knew that there were things that they could do better themselves if they had, and, and you were going to be the person to do it. So. <laughs> It's, it, it's the irony of expertise, isn't it? The plumber with it the leaky, ta leaky taps. It is, yeah. <laughs> well, just to emphasize that, uh, Heather and I went to lunch with he and his wife. He had a legal background, he had a big house on the beach, etc. And uh, we went to lunch one day and having a glass of wine, and I proposed a toast to a great day. His wife said, can I add to the toast? I said, yeah, sure. And she turned to him and said, happy anniversary, babe. That's three in a row you've missed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I knew we had um, some other issues. <laughs> so, so he came on the program and Heather used to text him on all the anniversaries and all the birthdays <laughs> until he Remind got used <laughs> Yeah. So I went to 11 of my um, investment and uh, wealth creation clients and said, hey, we've added this to the program if you'd like to take part just to make sure you keep everything safe um, and do life well, thinking one or two might allow us to, um, to work with them. And all, yeah. 11, all 11 said, oh, gee, that'd be awesome. Um, yep, we're in. 
Yeah. And okay. I went home, went home shocked because then I had to put it into a bit more of a formal, <laughs> formal process. <laughs> Sell it first, create it second. That's the way to do it. That's what they say. So that was in 2001. And uh, over the next decade, just out of word of mouth, we ended up um, working with people across Australia. Um, a, a large percentage of them were late 20s to mid 40s preteen kids, pressures of work, etc. And even if they were good with money um, or their time, the, just the pressures were, were getting to them. So over that time, um, we got a bit known around Australia and more people came on. Um, and then you and I connected. And yeah. um, I remember we did that tour around the Australian cities in uh, 2013. Yeah. I'd forgotten what year it was, but there, there you go. Yeah. So since then, um, again, through meeting people here who are holidaying, et cetera, and visiting friends and clients of mine, um, we now mentor uh, individuals, couples and business owners uh, in seven countries across three continents. Um, and it's just... Oh, yeah, great. that's pretty awesome, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's pretty humbling, you know. It's, um, you know, for someone who made as many early mistakes as I did, um, but, but if you hadn't made those mistakes, you would never have been doing what you're doing now, helping people live a better life, would you? Absolutely. And people say to me, oh, if you hadn't signed that personal guarantee, imagine all, the, all you'd have today. I would have made, <laughs> I I made other mistakes. Exactly. You learn yep. from them, you know. Yep. So particularly of interest is, um, you know, now you've gotten to this point, I'm really interested in, in the, the lessons and the, that you've learned around the different decades and stages of life and... And, and how that fits into your program. Yeah, and the key for me um, is that it's a bit like um, elite sport. Um, it's really important for um, a young player to have individuals around him to teach him both to play the game and to look after his finances. And uh, if you look at elite sports, people who are retired, you know, I'm thinking of a couple of uh, guys that played in our time. One of them today is a well-known sports commentator, obviously doing well, he's got you know, his finances all sorted, etc. And a player who played alongside him is the gardener at the at the um, at the clubhouse, uh, clubhouse the Leeds club. Right. And uh, the difference was how they managed their finances and who helped them. Yeah. And so finances became the priority of what we were doing. But in addition to that we found that financial anxiety and genuine peace of mind cannot live in the same head. Say that again, financial anxiety and, say, go again. And financial anxiety and genuine peace of mind cannot live in the same head. Yeah, no, I agree with that entirely. Yeah. So, so that anxiety of that then spills over into relationships and arguments, etc., under the yep. pressures of time, which is obviously finite in 168 hours. Well, one of one of my favourite sayings is when debt comes in the door, love goes out the window. That's <laughs> another way of saying the same thing, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. So, so the obviously, um, we've actually started now what we call Designer Decade School, um, which is for those that haven't they've left their, their uh, academic life and, but not got into the complexities of family or, or business. Uh, etc. So it's more mm -hmm. a, a training college um, so that we can get some prevention because as I said before the majority of people come to us when they're under the pressures uh, of a young family or 
bring yeah. teenagers through. That's that's the bizarre. That was I guess it's not bizarre. It's quite obvious. People come to you when there's problems, not when things are fine. And you think if only you'd come to me when there were no problems, we could have avoided all of this. But no one thinks of looking for help when there's no problems because everything's fine. So it is what it is. Correct. And it, it doesn't take a lot of time or money to get the right people around you. No. Um, and, you know, we played more the role of a head coach who, in that sporting analogy, would help the player plan around, put a plan together around all these professionals and things they had helping them. So at Design a Decade, we refer people out to people like you who can help with the finances, et cetera, yeah. uh, while, while we're helping them with the overall plan going forward. Yep. The, the disappointing side, of course, is you know, we get a lot of people come to us for help um, at the empty nest stage um, where they haven't realised that they've got to have some security in case they live to their 80s, 90s and 100. Yep. And they're make, making up for lost time. But it's not too late. I mean, if everyone gets their finances right yep. with the help of people, um, they can plan a decade. We, we had one gentleman come on at 57 years of age. Um, he, has, he was in a very stressful situation. He lost his wife to cancer. Um, shortly after that, a friend, trusted friend, said to him, I'll look after you financially took a $360,000 mortgage against his home and washed it down a Ponzi scheme in Mexico. Wow. And he had to send it, sell the home that he brought his family up in shortly after losing his wife. That and was tragic. Absolute tragedy. And yep. uh, he, um, someone said to him, you, you get some people around you to mentor you and help you through this next stage of life or, or you'll die of stress. And uh, he, interestingly, was referred to a client of mine who said, no, I'm a sales and marketing coach. You need to talk to Designer Deco. Anyway, he came on and um, it's interesting, uh, David, uh, it's the only time I've done this, but uh, he recalls that when we're sitting across a table, um, apparently there was, I drew a circle on a piece of paper and I pushed it over to him and he said, um, so what's this? And I said, that's the circle of uh, circle of contentment and my job's to get you in it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I should have used it a thousand times, but I don't I don't think I've ever said it again. <laughs> yeah. But he came on and uh, he's now been with me 13 years as a continuous client and became the first one to actually mentor um, the program alongside me to people he knew, et cetera. Right, and uh, he's remarried and uh, learned to run his finance as well. And uh, he had devoted his life to uh, being a pastor in a church and helping run their denomination. And yeah. he tells everyone that he was um, focused on that, but wasn't a good steward of the rest of his life. Uh, poor money manager, etc., and hadn't set up his right. future. So again, okay. someone had he had spending planner way back. Um, he would have done a lot better in life there. But today he's um, he's got back in a home. He's got an investment property, a few shares, remarried, um, doing exceptionally well at uh, 71 years of age. So, cool. That's awesome. Take us through the the decades, like because designer decade is is your your baby now. Yeah. Um, give us an insight into what you know, because I think people are going to recognise themselves as we go through. Yeah, and we've touched on them in no real order, but obviously, you know, the the years of our teenagers, um, 
we're not really um, looking to the future depending on our personality style and how we're being led um, by parents and, and peers. But yeah. um, I was speaking to a, a, a group of 25 to 35 year olds and uh, to have a bit of fun, I said to them, uh, um, I really love speaking to this age group because uh, their brains are finally fully developed. And there, was a, <laughs> there was a bit of laughter and sniggering yep. and the like. And I followed up with, well, at least the girls anyway. And out, outrageous <laughs> next five minutes while the girls were all pushing the guys and laughing at them and <laughs> whatever else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but that, that 20s is nowadays where people start to if, think about, you know, what work they're going to do, et cetera, with yeah. so many going to unis. I mean, in my day, not many people went to uni. They got out at 16 or 18 and got a job and started from there. Yeah. So today I think it's really important for those in their 20s um, to get an early start on their education around money. Um, a lot of them don't even start a job till mid-20s nowadays. You know, yeah. They're all stay-at-home stay kids, um, which is fine. But an education in their 20s is, is the key for that decade. Um, it, it's kind of um, really sad reflection on our education system that what you're saying because we come through 12 years of, of schooling and you're saying the first thing you need to do is get educated. Yeah. Around, um, around the things that schools don't think are important. Yeah. And schools are under so much pressure um, these days. Um, I read something today. Was it um, the, the children used to be scared when there's going to be a parent and teacher um, interview. Now and it's the te teachers. Teachers yeah. <laughs> scared. Yeah. So they're yeah, under pressure. I did, I did twenty years in the classroom. I know exactly what you're talking ah, about. Ah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So um, at our design a decade school for the younger ones, um, we tag it with things you didn't learn at school uh, about yep. life, life and money. Um, but that one we talked about that decade. Once you start a family, and uh, as you've also referred to it as that beautiful chaos. Yeah, well, we got that from you. So, <laughs> Carol and I have been talking about the beautiful chaos of the 30s, but we we got that from you, and we've acknowledged that you were the source. So, we, thank, thank you for that. It's great. <laughs> yeah, attribution um, makes you a learner and uh, lets other people know that you're not saying you know everything. You're not you, people in general. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, so that is the really critical decade um, to get help. And it's interesting, if you run a business and you get bigger, you hire more people, don't you? Yeah. You start as a couple and you add more to, to the family. Rarely in Australia do we get more help. Whereas overseas, you get a nanny and you get you know, advisors and all sorts of things in a lot of countries. But here, yeah. we don't get help. Interesting observation. We, we tend to think that we're tough and we can do it all ourselves. Mm -hmm. It must be the Aussie way, eh? Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, um, the teenage years, are, uh, having teenagers is totally different again. You've got people coming through to independence and, and the like. And, so this is uh, in the, your 40s now? When yeah, during teenage the 40s. Children. Yeah. yeah, and obviously the ages change a bit these days with people having them later. But, yeah, 40s into, mid, into early 50s. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting we have uh, the weight of teenagers and uh, there's two of those, the W-E-I-G-H-T, the weight of carrying them through 
and yes. the W and the W A I T waiting for them to leave home. To leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. But our oldest granddaughter has just moved out. And uh, fortunately, moving out into one of our investment properties and uh, mum and dad. Uh, so we've got an 18-year-old granddaughter moving out. She's got three part-time jobs and, uh, and driving. And uh, mum's in tears and dad's in denial about <laughs> moving out of home. <laughs> Isn't that the way, huh? Yeah. Well, so that's, that's a good reflection on the coaching that she's received at 18 <laughs> with an investment property. Well, she's been on um, on the program since she turned 18. Interestingly, both my son-in-laws have been on our program since before they married our daughters. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't compulsory, but they knew it was a really good idea to get on the right side of their future father-in-law. <laughs> I can I can I understand that. <laughs> well, one of them moved into their new uh, home yesterday. Yeah, uh, they're now mid thirties, and uh, that's the third home. Um, we we said my generation wanted to pay a home off and never have a mortgage again. Um, our our um, suggestion is that as they get paid down, then they um, actually take another small and affordable mortgage that they can move up um, yep. in that value of their home. So they've done that three times. Um, and you know, a lot of people pay a mortgage off. They don't have spending planner to help them. And the money that was going into the investment of their home now gets sucked up in lifestyle and they don't continue to use that to invest. Yeah, and they don't even notice that happening, I, I might add, there too. It's just invisible. You would have seen it. You would have seen it over and over again, I'm sure. Yep, I know exactly what you're talking about there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so the other, the other uh, daughter and son-in-law, they've got a nice home and, and an investment uh, property and a few shares and the like in there. Um, but uh, just in their late 30s, so really proud of the way they've, they've got help. And uh, when um, our youngest ones have just moved into this home, um, they had um, people around them to help them with the lending. They had people around to help them with the actual transaction. Um, they've learned to surround themselves with trusted third parties. And going back to that story on the 57-year-old gentleman that came in, um, yeah. he now uh, trains people in grief recovery and, and stress minimization um, out of his life. Um, which is which is really he, he certainly went through some grief and stress by the sound yeah. of that yeah yeah absolutely um, all right but, so I oh, sorry keep going okay I was just going to sort of summarize where we're up to then um, so one of the, the what the most important thing I think in what you've been saying is that um, trying to do everything on your own is a recipe for disaster and getting qualified people around you to 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 be the the guidance in those bigger decisions is critical. And Australians don't seem to have this, this psychology or this mentality of actually asking for help, I think is something that we've realised as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, do, we do have a saying, if you're not ready to ask the question, you're not ready to hear the answer. And uh, so you can, no one can bring someone to us by the ear and say, here, fix them. Uh, everyone, <laughs> yeah. Everyone's got to come of their own accord and teachability is um, a the, huge... The other uh, version of that is you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Similar, I think. That's similar, very similar. So one, one of our articles, in, we've got a three-year curriculum now that 
um, covers 12 topics of life, um, time, relationships, um, income expenses, uh, plan, learn, health, lifestyle, and then what to do with the home, investments, and um, income development. And the final topic is um, speculation, um, the risks of of uh, the wrong investment. So investment is yep. used for ev- everything because it's um, uh, it sounds safe. But often, as that gentleman I talked about found, it was a speculation where you're relying on someone else's honesty and the like. But yep. um, our one of our articles is about choosing trusted professionals. And uh, there's the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, the ugly are pretty easy to see um, in that case. Um, people yep. who, who are um, skilled at something but self-interested, just want your money to get into whatever they want to do. Yeah. Um, and then there's the good who are not only skilled but they uh, can be trusted to have your best interest at heart. And right. to, to anyone listening, I can tell you, um, after a decade of knowing and walking alongside David and the team, they have your best interest at heart and they have <laughs> the skills to help you. And uh, what what that gentleman I spoke about found, he the one in the middle is the bad. And that the is good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah. Yep. So the good, they've got your best interest at heart and they've got the skills. The ugly, unfortunately, there's a lot of them around that are skilled, but they're it for their own interest. But the danger, the unseen one is the bad. And that's where you have a trusted relationship with someone and you'd leave their kids with them, but it, you'd engage them for that reason but you find out they haven't got skills and around right. money around money there's a lot of that and this gentleman that lost all that lost his house he actually still associates with the guy who did it because he knows it wasn't an intentional thing the guy just didn't have the skills he didn't have the skills yeah 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 he, so he thought he was doing a great thing helping out and it, it all went pear-shaped by the sound yeah. of that yeah and there's yeah. there's a big difference between uh, intent and quality delivery. Yep. And uh, there's been uh, a lot of articles about the tennis player, Djokovic, who's been in trouble this year. And the continued co- commentary around it is his intent is pure, but his delivery um, sometimes is uh, astray. Leaves a bit to be desired. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So uh, interesting stuff. If people. Um, are just starting out on the journey of life. I think what you're saying is get get yourself educated, learn the. You know, I think the problem is that you know when you leave school and Carolyn and I have been talking about this a lot, that all you're interested in is is going out and you know finally you've arrived and you just want to go and have a great time and experience life as you think it's going to be, party, party, party. Um, and it's only when you hit the brick wall in the in the chaos of those beautiful thirties that you start. Some people start thinking. Hmm, maybe I need to sort of sit down and, and take stock and learn. And what you're suggesting is that if you're smart enough in your 20s to go, um, let's let's plan the, the next five decades and beyond and, and put people around us that can help advise us and, and not believe that we know the, the right way for everything, maybe we can get this right rather than it being a series of sort of accidents and re- responses to accidents. Yeah, yeah, we don't live long enough to make all the mistakes and then recover and get everything done. Fortunately, I made them early. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yes. the, but the, um, the whole process of doing life and enjoying it 
we talk about life's three journeys, stepping out of yesterday, enjoying today and stepping into your future. And they're concurrent. They run alongside each other, but it's important that they're done individually. Mm -hmm. And uh, whether stepping out of yesterday was from a problem or whether celebration or doing well, we're all moving forward. And, uh, and to have those three things. But, yeah, you're right, David, the, the, having the right people around you, oh, that could be two, isn't it? Yeah, the right people, R-I-G-H-T. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. <laughs> I've, copped, I've copped a bit of that over the years. <laughs> I bet, I bet. Yeah. And, look, in all seriousness, David, what you do is if people just did that, they'd be a long way in front. Um, yep. most people save what they have at the end of the pay week, which is usually nothing. And one of the things that uh, I love about what um, your program does is if you know the old scripture about seed and bread, bread to eat and seed to sow, and it's yep. the farmer analogy, uh, that if, if a farmer keeps the seed that they're going to make their bread out of to eat in the same tin as the seed that he's going to sow for the future, then it's all going to get eaten. Yeah, and, and to be able to plan the finances so that you decide on all your expenses as you your team does, whether that's the fixed known bills that they know when they're going to come and how much, or the discretionate spending like weekly stuff and yep. holidays and all that. To decide on that number, and then whatever incomes over the top of that, put it away straight away for investing. That. If you can get people to do that, they're three quarters of the way to having a secure future. Yep. And the investing is not just finances. There's investment, learning, living and giving to help others. And so to engage someone like spending planners or design a decade is an investment in learning, which helps with the other ones. Yep. I, I certainly learnt, have learnt from, from you over the last decade and I, you, you mentioned something just a minute ago that I'll, I'll bring us back to. Um, I, you, I remember you saying that every day people basically juggle time, relationships and money. And what I've specialised in over the last 26 years is the money side of that. And I, I think design a decade and what you do, it, it goes uh, beyond that to the, the time and the relationships not only with with other people, but also with yourself, and and having the trusted people around you. So I I, I was very happy to interview you today because I I don't see us as being competitors, but I see us as being um, parallel partners, if you like. You, you I mean I know you focus on money and what you do because it's a critical part of the journey, but you, what the designer decade is all about is looking at the the time of your life, and and those stages those. Um, seasons that you go through and and the relationships that are in that as well so um, absolutely and and the the anxiety of money is a symptom of the core issues of giving time to it and getting the right relationships to help you with it yeah and i I guess that comes back to having the the people around you that their relationships as well aren't they absolutely and our role is to um, be the, the head coach, if you like, the head coach, the coordinator and bring bring yep. knowledge and understanding and then it goes out to people like you who um, have the specific industry um, specialty. 
Yep. So if someone came on board with Design a Decade, what what's what happens with what's the experience? What happens? Yeah. So when they first come on, it's a, it's an interesting one. Um, they uh, engage us. It's a three year curriculum, but they engage us a year at a time. Um, mm-hmm. If they don't know of us and they're a little bit suspicious of us, um, that's understandable. That's normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they can engage yeah. for the first three months, and if they don't feel it's for them after that. Uh, we don't hold them to the full year because, as I said before, we only want people who want us. Um, yep. But in that first um, 12 weeks, um, first thing, you receive a, uh, information each week through our email system. The first week is an introduction. And uh, the first thing we ask, David, is uh, would you mind telling me how old you are? Mm, that's a rude question. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, just make up a number. Yep. Oh, you're asking me right now? Yes. I don't mind telling people. I think I've already told people many times <laughs> on this podcast. I'm, I'm uh, a little bit more than oh, I'm 63. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the first email says, "Okay, we're sitting here uh, in 10 years' time. You're 73, and I'm 79, and we look at all of the people around you: parents, grandparents, if people have still got them, kids, grandkids, siblings." And we add 10 to all of their lives and say, what do we need to prepare for? And um, what do we want life to look like in that time? Just in a relaxed manner of, you know, what do you want to be? And one of the big challenges today is that um, the generations coming through now are likely to have dependent generations above them while they've still got dependent generations below them. Yeah, that's and that's, that's got to be prepared for, and that's a finance one as well as health and things like that. Yeah, so you get that the first week, um, and you get a, a simple Excel diagnostic where for the next 12 weeks you just um, look at how you use your 168 hours a week, uh, what relationships you've got to support you, and what ones you need for the future. Um, what income you've got and how you manage that around bank accounts, which is your specialty, um, then what you spend your money on. And then the fifth topic is planning. Um, what, what are we working on at the moment towards our 10-year goals? Uh, learning, what don't we know about around these topics? Um, there's a whole book list, et cetera, if people want to access that. Then, mm-hmm. then health and fitness and lifestyle, uh, then home investment, et cetera. So that email comes in week and they have a personal person who walks alongside them and helps them understand and apply that and it simply provides a visual that people can't deny hey i I need to uh to work on these areas and i want to progress in these areas so that people can go with their passions but the curriculum under it provides a foundation that their passions don't bring other parts of life down and then each three months that cycles with um the curriculum coming and teaching people the deeper understanding of each topic so one of the uh, interesting ones for what you do is that uh, we look at three levels of time you know the first level of time is when you associate with others and they control the time work etc yeah secondly the associating with others and you have a say so meeting someone for coffee or going to golf or whatever but the third one is when it's up to you when and if you do something and those ones are pushed out by the pressures of life so running your money well is up to you. It's a it's a level three activity. Yeah. And by yeah. engaging someone. So we do this 
cycle to help people understand life in all its glory. And, yeah. and then we help them set projects and encourage them to move forward. But they're the driver. We're, we're the navigator to help that. It's a little more, obviously, fairly complex, but the basis of it is that we help people think clearly and choose wisely in every area of their life and get help where they need it. Sounds awesome. All right, we've probably gone a little bit longer than we normally do, but it's been very interesting chatting, so I wasn't going to pull us up early. Um, <laughs> Sorry about I'm that. Sure that. No, that's fine. I'm sure people will be keen to and happy to, to listen for a little bit longer than normal. Um, Design a Decade is so. How would people find you? Is it designadecade.com? Is that yeah? Your, yeah, they can go yeah. designadecade.com. Um, the other one is my own uh, separate one, chrisjfreeman.com. Um, and it's it's open for people all the way from a you know single person working um, right through to I work with businesses, um, working with the owner of businesses to help them think clearly and choose wisely. I work with corporate executives again um, to help them uh, run their personal life well so they do their work better. So there's there's no set um, criteria for you to be at a stage of life or some sort of work or whatever. But uh, if they'd like to have a first uh, chat, they can come through the website, just put in an inquiry and, and we'll be in contact with them. Uh, but to be clear, no one can engage our services out of that first chat. It's purely information and connection to see if there might be a reason to keep talking. Right. Yep. No, I, I, I like that. Um, Chris, it's been awesome um, getting a, the, the Chris Freeman story. It Interestingly, I mean, you're pursuing your business is based on uh, pain that you went through and, and the lessons that you learned from that. And, and mine is really the same. And I'm sure there's plenty of other people whose businesses have come out of life lessons that they've learned that they've gone, you know what, I really want to share the lessons that I've learned with other people because I don't want them going through what I went through. Um, and I want them to get the benefit of what I've learned from it. Um, so yes, we're both sort of on our own little passionate little journeys based on, on those kind of experiences. so Absolutely. It's been such a Go pleasure, ahead. David. Thank you for allowing me to share um, the story. So there you have it. I'm sure you found some great tips and food for thought in what Chris had to say there. If you're interested in finding out more, Chris's website, designadecade.com, is where you should go. If you have any comments to make about today's podcast or questions that you'd like answered, send me an email, admin at spendingplannersinstitute.com, I'll pass it on to Chris and have him supply an answer. If you're not a member of our Facebook group, I encourage you to join. It's a great place to get answers to your innermost questions about money. Just search for Succeed With Money podcast within Facebook and request to join the group. Succeed With Money is a podcast series by the Spending Planners Institute. We look forward to chatting with you again next time when we'll be discussing another interesting topic relating to life and money because as you know, nobody fails with money on purpose. Thanks for listening and bye for now.